Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander from Yerushalayim Ir HaKodesh. And I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Moshe Lichman of Beit Shemesh. Shalom, shalom. Thank you again for joining us for this uh, amazing show that we, uh, we give you every single week about the love of Eretz Israel and the importance of coming back to the land of Israel. And of course, Israel Unplugged is where we bring you the unadulterated facts of where we're holding in the redemptive process, focusing primarily on the ingathering of the exiles. And it is a live show. Uh, if you are happen to be uh, stuck in North America or on your way to the airport, as I like to say, then you should call us at 301-768-4841. That's 301-768-4841. And if you are lucky enough to be here in the Holy Land, in the land of Israel, in the land that is very, very good, then you should call us at 2 6500151 that's 02650151 today we have a special guest his name is Yoel Berman who was born and raised in the yeshiva community in Los Angeles and has been living in Eretz Israel since coming as a bacher uh, to study and learn in the Mir Yeshiva of Yerushalayim in the year 2000 he writes an article series featuring anglo Haredi Olim living in all parts of the country, which is featured in national and local publications in, in religious communities throughout the United States. He currently runs the Avira de Eretz Yisrael website and forum for housing and community resources. And he is also affiliated with the Kedusha Sion organization committed to bringing, bringing the Torah perspectives on Eretz Yisrael to the forefront, especially in the Haredi sector, and connecting between the various Haredi activists involved in Eretz Yisrael-related projects. We're very excited to have him on the air, and uh, we'll be right back with you right after these messages. Hello, I am Walter Bingham. If you want to hear the news behind the news and the true perspective on world affairs, then The Walter Bingham File is the program for you. We bring you interviews with the movers and shakers, political commentaries, and on-the-spot reports of events as they happen. All here every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Israel Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's all archived on our website. Make it a date. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. Uh, I forgot to mention that we have we have uh, web 
sites that we would love to, uh, we would encourage you to go see. One is that of Rabbi Lechman, which is toratzion.com. And uh, our website is bringthemhome.org.il or it's time to leave.com. Both of those websites have a, a whole wealth of information regarding moving to Eretz Israel, Aliyah, and everything that is involved. We encourage you to go to those sites and, and see and, and look through them. So this uh, often what happens with me uh, on Shabbat morning on, on on Saturday morning, as I'm walking from my neighborhood on the Mount of Olives to the old city where I go to pray at the famous uh, Churva Shul in the middle of the Jewish quarter, uh, often that gives me a, a time to think to myself and to contemplate different things. And I often have epiphanies at that point on different subjects uh, when, when I don't have a large group that I'm, that I'm guiding. So this week I, I thought about a, a mashal and a, um, how do you say mashal? A parable. A parable, that's the word I was looking for, a parable. A parable, which may have been used before, but I, I thought that I, that I came up with and I spoke about it at the, at the uh, Kiddush after, after Shul. And I said, you know, what would happen if you had a, a um, pineapple? You take a pineapple and you decide that you're going to take this pineapple and you're going to transport it to the Antarctica. And you're going to start growing pineapples in the Antarctica. Clearly, that's not its natural habitat. It would be very difficult. You would have to enclose it in some sort of glass container, and you'd have to create this artificial habitat for it to grow in. But it could be done, and you can grow, perhaps you can grow pineapple in the Antarctica. And for the first generation or two that the pineapple was there, I'm sure it would feel very uncomfortable looking around, so to say, at, at its surrounding, at, at its environment, and it would see only snow, it would see only cold, and it would say, this, this is not where I belong. This is really uncomfortable. This is really not my home. But after a couple generations, you can imagine that the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren of these pineapples are going to start growing in the Antarctica, and they're going to think that it is perfectly natural. It's perfectly normal for them to grow up in this environment. This is their home, they're going to say. This is, this is, this is where we feel comfortable and that is the parable that I was thinking about. It what it's like for a Jew to live outside of the land of Israel. A Jew that grows up, and then when we first were in, sent into exile, the temple was destroyed, and we were sent into exile. I'm, there is, it is clear that for the first generations, they felt horrible living in exile. It was terrible. It was a punishment, no matter whether they were comfortable or not. They, they understood that they weren't in their natural habitat. They understood that they were not in their home. But after generations and generations, as they started as the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren and the great-great-grandchildren who already forgot where their natural habitat was, where their home was, they started feeling more and more comfortable. And they thought, this is normal. This is normal to live in exile. And today there are so many Jews living around the globe that think it's perfectly normal for a Jew to live outside the land. They think, it's, it, it, this is our home. This is their natural habitat. And they don't realize it's like a pineapple in the Antarctica. What do you think? I think that's a fantastic uh, mushal. Uh, I think we should discuss it with our special guest who's on the line with us. Yoel, are you there? Yes, hi. Welcome to the show. How are you? 
time, Baruch Hashem. So we already did the introductions. We gave you your, your background, and we'd love to talk to you. Let me just give you a little bit more introduction of how, uh, why we chose to bring you on this week. Uh, last week, of course, was the Torah portion that talked about the spies and spoke about the, the, the goodness of the land. And you had a beautiful gathering Saturday night of Jews from around, I'm guessing, around the country. I, I don't think they were only from Jerusalem. They came from around the country, and uh, they, they came to this special meal that is known as the Malava Malka. It's a special meal that is done after the Sabbath, uh, that is escorting the Sabbath queen away. And uh, I was so impressed with this group. There were probably maybe 20 people there. I came a little late, and each one got, had an opportunity to speak, and each, each one was like music to my ears to hear these people that were passionate about Jews living in the land of Israel. And it was so, I, I'm, again, I was very impressed. I'm very happy that you invited me. And, uh, and, and I want you to tell us more about that event and other, the other projects that you were involved with. Okay, about that event, uh, I guess it's in the context of, um, I would call it an organization called Kedushas Tzian, uh, which is a organization of Haredim, uh, that are very into Eretz Yisrael, very involved with anything to do with Eretz Yisrael. And one of the things that we found is that it helps a lot to be around people that also have that same kind of connection and, and to realize that we're not alone, to realize that there's so many other people that have the same kind of connection. You know, each person connects in their own way, but it's still, you know, it's, it really helps... Uh, push everybody forward you know, in their connection. And also, a lot of these people have different projects that are connected to the, you know, to, to the whole idea of Eretz Yisrael, of, of living in the land of, of Israel, of you know, all sorts of related projects. And when you connect to like-minded people, you know, that really helps you propel forward. So that, that was basically uh, the idea of this gathering. And Baruch uh, Hashem has been uh, doing these gatherings uh, Mostly in the winter, mostly uh, Shabbos. You know, in the winter, it's the, the Shabbos ends much earlier, so we have more time then. But because, like you mentioned, it's Pasha Shlach, the, the portion of the week that was I mentioned, the whole idea of the, you know, of, of the rejection of the land on the one hand and the connection to the land that uh, Yeshua and Kali had. Uh, so we wanted to take advantage of that and do something for Matzah Shabbos Pasha Shlach. We did. We decided to to do another one of these gatherings, and uh, and I think uh, we accomplished something. I think that uh, people did come out more connected and with more uh, with more more of a connection and more passion and more you know more strength to propel forward in each each in his own way. Let me let me. The, you know, this, hi, this is Moshe Lichtman. I'm the co host here, and uh, I have to tell you that I'm a big ad admirer. Um, Thank you. You know, I've, I joined the Ohave Eretz Yisrael Lovers of Israel uh, WhatsApp group uh, a few months ago. Josh put me on the group, and uh, I, I've spoken about it to so many people uh, ever since then. There's so many beautiful ideas and beautiful discussions, and I think you're one of the, one of the heads of this uh, the group. Um, the question I want to ask you is, um, 
that's very nice that we're gathering all these like-minded people. The question is, how can we have a hashpah on those who unfortunately don't see this? And and maybe you can give us some insight into why these people don't see it. I mean, to you and to, to me, it is so obvious. It is so clear in the Torah, in, in all the writings of our great rabbis, that, that Eretz Yisrael is an important, very important part of our religion. So how can it be that such from Jews are don't see it? Number one, I think that is one of the major things is lack of education. It's as simple as that. Just a very simple lack of education. My own personal connection is just from being very aware of Jewish history. And I'm not talking about the history of the past 100 years. I'm talking about the past thousands of years. And anybody who has that, that awareness of history, uh, you can't ignore it. You, you just you see it. It, it's from, from, the, from the birth of the nation and all the way through. You always had that connection, all the way through. And I think basically that uh, uh, specifically in the, in the Haredi segment of the population, there's some sort of uh, distance because of uh, the fact that a lot of the people that were involved, heavily involved in putting this whole country together the past uh, 100 years, were not so uh, religiously inclined to say it in a, in a nice way. And so that caused some sort of, right. uh, you know, people taking two steps back, the people that were more religiously inclined to take two steps back from the whole thing. Uh, but that can't negate 2,000 years of history even more. So that, that's my connection, I think, and a lot of it has to do with education. And uh, maybe that's where we come in. There's a lot of things we can do you know, in the realm of education. That's one thing. Another thing is also just the, the technical things that are happening. Like, there are certain perceptions about uh, technical things, about living in, in, in the country, uh, that stay the, the perception stays the same way, even though the reality has changed tremendously. And I think people are still stuck with old perceptions, and that's our job to, to change that, to show what's really happening, to show the real story you know, of what's happening now, what the opportunities are. Right. You know, so I, I think th- that's th- those are two, two things. Number one is awareness of Jewish, Jewish history. And number two, uh, to know what the opportunities are, to know what the reality on the ground is. I think that, that those uh-huh. are two... Those are two things, two 100%. 100%. 100%. Okay, we have to go to a break. Um, we're sure. going to be back in like two minutes, and I hope you can stay with us for at least sure. another segment because we have to continue this uh, conversation. Um, so stick with us, and we will be right back in two minutes. everyone, this is Andrea Simento from Jerusalem inviting you to drop everything and join me on my show, Pull Up a Chair. We'll visit this week's quirky stories, meet fabulous guests, and discover my Israel. Together we'll laugh, shout, and explain the topics that make us say, hey, we've got to talk about that. 
So get comfortable and pull up a chair with me, Andrea Simintov, every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back, and we're here with our guest, Yoel Bergman. And uh, Yoel, we—I have a question. You and uh, and your friends and your your like-minded friends are breaking somewhat a stereotype, meaning most Haredim, most ultra-Orthodox Jews, there is a stereotype. I think amongst them, as much as the ones that are not amongst them that they are anti the state of Israel, they're anti the army, they're anti moving to Israel, living to Israel, using the resources of the state, uh, making this their permanent home, feeling comfortable in a land uh, in, in a permanent sense until perhaps the Mashiach comes, all sorts of stereotypes out there. But you and your friends have made this jump, and you've made Aliyah, you've come here, you are involved in convincing others to, to follow in your ways. Explain to me how you sort of uh, jive these two ideas. On one hand, the Haredi idea that, that mm-hmm. perhaps we should not come back to Israel until Mashiach comes uh, on one hand, and then that we're not wanting to support a secular state. And on the other hand, you're encouraging Haredi Jews, ultra-Orthodox Jews, to come and to be uh, active participants in this process. Right, so maybe I would uh, I would say that the issue of a secular state that's a separate issue. In other words, there's the issue of living in the land, and and that's the the main issue that that we deal with. And uh, all besides for living in the land, also um, you know being part of the process. A secular state is just from the way that we see it is part of the process. You know, that might not be the end game, because from our point of view, the end game is, you know, Mashiach coming and uh, having uh, a, a country that's run according to the Torah vision, according to the vision of the prophets. Uh, so we're, we're just part of the, we're just part of, you know, we're in our segment in history, or in our part in history, but we're part of the process. That, that's how we see it. And uh, I think, again, education is the name of the game, because... This idea that we're supposed to wait until Mashiach comes in a, in a passive way, uh, I think, from what I know, is actually a very minority opinion in, within the context of uh, Haredi uh, rabbis and Haredi great Torah personalities. Within that context, I think it's still a, a, a minority and uh, maybe a vocal minority, but there's still an enormous, ama- enormous number of uh, rabbanim of rabbis from the Haredi world, even today, and and even and, you know throughout the past hundred, two hundred years, uh, that very much pushed the idea of living in Eretz Israel today, of the relevance of living in Eretz Israel today. Uh, I would I would like to point out one of the most uh, maybe outspoken ones uh, leaders of the Haredi uh, you know the Haredi population uh, very I would say maybe world famous uh, that was 
very unique in this, and that he was very vocal about it, is Abraham Kanievsky, that recently passed away. Uh, I think that he's not the only one, because there, there are many, many more that have the same kind of idea of the relevance of living there to well today. So, so I, again, as a, as a so it, it goes history, back to education. I, I would, I'd like to ask you, how did it happen that perhaps the majority of the Haredi world uh, outside of Israel have been influenced by this lack of education? And how are we able to, this goes back to the question that Rabbi Lichtman had earlier, how are we able to have an influence on them to try to change this, this attitude that the majority currently have? Uh, number one, I think it's for historical reasons, like I mentioned before in the previous segment, that uh, just the people that were mostly involved in, in putting this whole project together of the, of the state of Israel and, and everything to do with that, the whole uh, secular Zionist movement, you know, had the effect of pushing away of, of, uh, naturally people that were very wary of, of maybe of their motives also, and also of the, inf- of the possible influence that they would have. And uh, I think that, the, that maybe the Haredi Tzibur, the, the Haredi public, is big enough today that we don't really need to concern ourselves with that anymore. That's number right, one. Right, but and, the, and, question, yeah. right, the question is, how do we get people to... Uh, to change their their outlook and like you said, how do we educate these people in the history and all the other things? When they're not, when unfortunately, they're not even willing to listen. Like you know, we all we all okay, love here, so this us is, together. This is an idea I have. This is the idea I have. I think that anybody that has you know a, a, a set idea in his head about you know about like a, a certain ideology. So if you come to him with a pamphlet describing you know how he's how he got everything wrong. He's just he's not even going to open the you know the first page. He's just going to be totally uninterested. But I think there's a, a very strong power in words uh, coming through stories. I think stories. I think that's the way to go. Um, think, you know the the kind of writing that does not um, you know that does not uh, cause people to have to get, you know, to get tense and to get, like, protective about their preconceived notions. And a lot of times through stories, through these kind of essays that you can uh, put out that are not, that are not um, focusing head-on on, on these, on the, on the, the, the issues. And between the lines, you could bring out a lot of that. But that's, I think that's, that's one strategy that I've been doing. I've actually been using that. Uh, uh, I've been interviewing a lot of people that made the move from these similar backgrounds, from you know American Haredim that came to Israel and uh, and they live here happily. And uh, I interview them and they write up the stories and it gets published in all sorts of places in America. And uh, I think between the lines, a lot of these things come through. Uh, I was surprised yeah. actually. I had the latest, you know, I have, a, I have an article series actually. It's featured in in the Manin, which is a very popular uh, English language newspaper in the in the Haredi public in, in America and the U.S. And uh, actually, the latest uh, the latest article in my series had a line there. I was surprised they put it in. I was surprised it went through. 
uh, I wanted I want to quote for you the exact line and and but it did I mean people are maybe more open to hear things that they weren't open before here this is the line this is from an interview from somebody who made Aliyah recently maybe a couple a few short years ago and and this is one line he says having grown up in America where in many from ultra-Orthodox communities, the Torah's viewpoint on Eretz Yisrael is not actively taught. We were inadequately prepared on an emotional level to tackle the challenges that inevitably accompany anyone's move here. You know, that's black and white. It's clearly a statement saying that the Torah's viewpoint on, on, on the land of Israel is not actively taught. And they didn't have a problem publishing it. I was surprised at that, but these kind of things, you know, between the lines, the message gets through. Yes, definitely. So, yeah. What what Go kind Josh. of uh, what kind of success have you seen in? I'm I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word infiltrating, but in, in getting that message, that education to the Haredi world, especially in the United States, because the Haredi world that's here is very different than the Haredi world that's in in the United States. But I'm curious to know if you've, if you've succeeded in infiltrating the education systems in the United States. So I don't know what to answer. Uh, I think that maybe, I think we can divide it into two. The United States, like America, like in, in, over here also, and also, is divided uh, roughly into in-town and out-of-town. I think a lot of this, uh, a lot of this lack of a, of connection to Etzisar is more pervasive in the in-town areas, not in the out-of-town areas. And uh, but so so there's more there are more inroads in, in the out-of-town. I'd say and more people are more open to here. Can, can you define in-town and out-of-town for us people that are New, New York? I assume you mean the New York area is the in-town and right the I tri-state guess, area yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess, and then like Baltimore and those kind of places, and out of town. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I don't know exactly what. An, I mean, we do have you know we, this is one thing we do have actually people that are connected to that eventually got connected to the Torah organization, the Kedusha Sin, that are living from you know the heartland. They're living in in Williamsburg. They're associated with the Fatma even, and uh, they got connected to this whole idea, and they connected with us, and they connected with other like-minded people there. So apparently it does have an influence. And sometimes the influence is not direct, it's indirect. Right? Like, like I was saying before, just connecting with like-minded people, the fact that they have this place where they know they can, they can connect and reach out and find out about other like-minded people, that helps them, you know, stay, you know, keep the, keep the flame ignited, you know, keep the spark. Uh, we do have, have you ever tried to have a gathering in, in, in the United States as opposed to here in Israel? So the, the, there have been. There have been several gatherings in, in, uh, in the United States, definitely. I mean, not okay, with, we're, we're uh, running out of time for this segment. Okay. I'd love to continue the conversation if you could stay with us uh, after sure. these messages. But uh, it's fascinating to me that, uh, that this is happening. And this is happening, I think, beneath the... The, the nose, the radar of most people uh, that are here. So this is, this is I'm sure, going to be very interesting for everybody here. Please stick with us. We'll be right back after these messages.
Shalom, I'm Leah Aharoni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to News from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. So we are still on the air with uh, Yoel Berman, and uh, he is discussing the idea of in town, out of town, and specifically when it comes to here in Israel, one of the things that holds many Jews from making Aliyah, coming back home, back, is the fact that they do not find their, their place here in Israel. They don't find a place that they're comfortable with, with the same kind of environment that they had back where they came from. And that is one of the things that he is working on, and would love to hear more about how you're doing that. Okay, I just, yeah, hi. I just wanted to start off with a little story. Uh, one of the main things I do that I do is connect uh, people to the idea of out-of-town communities in, in uh, Israel and to the, you know, to know, to know more about them as, uh, as, an, as a places that are, you know, great to live in for those that, that don't like that kind of living. A lot of people just don't know. They don't know what the opportunities are. Uh, so I wanted to start off with like a little a little story I heard from a friend of mine, Avram Shusteris from Nachviel. They're also very involved in in uh, promoting Eretz Yisrael. He's part of our network, our Kedusha Sphere network. Uh, he was he was telling me once about his uh, grandparents. Uh, he said they were in Russia when the Iron Curtain fell. And there was a rush of Jews to leave the country. A lot of them to America and some to Israel. And he said his grandparents went to the airport. And at the airport, they still were undecided about whether it would be to America or to Israel. And he said his grandmother felt very connected to the idea of Israel because it was the Jewish people that fought for them, that fought for their lives, that fought for them to be able to move on in life and fought for them to, you know, to be able to leave. And she felt very connected to the Jewish people. So she thought that the natural thing would be to go to Israel. But then he said his grandfather was very connected to the idea. It was very, very appealed to him, Marlboro cigarettes, you know, Chevrolet, and Paras, and, and, you know, he didn't want to pass up the opportunity to move to that country that he, that he always dreamed of and read about. So they were standing there in line, and there were two lines, one to America and one to Israel. And at the airport, they were still undecided. They were still, you know, each one was pulling in their direction. And then what, basically what, what defined the whole trajectory of, of their family is this argument that the grandfather had. The grandfather is like, and this we're talking about, I don't know, the 70s, 80s, when, when was this? I mean, this is a, a long while. 90, 1990. Oh, okay, I guess, early, in 1990, okay. But the grandfather's like this. You know, they're not going to accept us there anyways. We're not religious. Nobody wants us in Israel. And that's it. That's what, 
you know, determine the whole trajectory of this family, that they're going to America and continuing their whole their lives there, and, and, and you know, very easily could have just got swept up in the whole and in the simulation over there and everything. And this friend of mine is saying how this this is like comical and pathetic. It's like, you know, they just just if they knew what it was like. I mean, uh, theocracy. I mean, who's talking about that in, in 1990? I mean, that's you know, it's the furthest thing from the truth. And this friend of mine is saying that now while we're in a sort of backward situation where the religious people in the Haredim, the ultra orthodox. They have this perception about Israel as not being conducive to to uh, religious life. You know that maybe maybe that was true 50 years ago, but they're still stuck there. And it's pathetic that they're not doing the research and the homework to find out what's really happening there. Uh, so that that's a general statement. That's a general thing. And I would say mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that people don't know about is like I'm saying this opportunity about out of town places and. Uh, so I, what I do is I find people that already did the move. Because there are people, there are people, Americans, American freedom that actually moved to these kind of places. And I interview them, and I put out these articles. And uh, they get you know, they get published all around in America also. And uh, this way people are exposed to also different places, like Afula, like Ofakim, like, uh, you know, like uh, Tiberia, and... Uh, all sorts of different places all over the map, Malian Mos, Maysad. What I do is I also interview people that live in the more mainstream places because they also have what to say. Uh, you know, for people in Chutzpahs, especially people living outside of Israel, they're oblivious to what's going on there also. So I try to cover, you know, cover everything. And it's not just about the places; it's about the move. It's about different, uh, you know, different ideas that help them. Uh, you know, help them uh, figure out what to do and how to do and how to relate to different challenges. And also different tips, different tips on how, how they, you know, got through different challenges or different, you know. And but basically, you know, covering all sorts of different, different uh, parts of the puzzle. And uh, this way, you know, between the lines, you get uh, a lot of information out there, also on the lines and also between the lines, a lot of, a lot of the... Uh, you know, also, uh, like you said, education. That, that's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. I have a question. If we're talking sure. about education, so I personally am very into uh, education. Uh, the more datile umi, the more religious Zionist world, that when they send their children here for the year in Israel, that they should get a little taste of the importance of living in Israel. And, you know, I try to give lectures, and I try to make sure that... They, they get the message. Is there anything to be done in the more Haredi yeshivot uh, for these kids? Because that's such a crucial time in their lives. They're here for a year or two or sometimes even more. And, and I don't think they ever get spoken to about this issue, about the importance of living in Israel. Is there okay, any way a, we could work on that and get into the more Haredi yeshivot? It's a bit tricky because uh, people do want to concentrate on the you know, standard Torah learning, which is what they're coming to learn for. That's, that's basically what they're coming for. And so it is a bit tricky. Um, I would suggest a lot of times, there's set times when, you know, people go around more, like around the holiday times, those kind of times. That's the time maybe to connect people. I had one of the guys I interviewed, he actually had this experience where he came,
when he was 16 years old, before Yeshiva, he came to Eretz Yisrael, he came here, and, and then he went around touring the whole country, and he said this way, when he came, when he was 18, which is much more common, when he came to learn, so he was able to, on the one hand, concentrate on his learning, on the other hand, he already got that connection. So the connection didn't interfere with his learning, and the learning didn't interfere with his connection. So it is a bit tricky how to do it. Like, and, and so one way is uh, one way is during like during the holiday times. I guess that's one possibility. Uh huh. I I've always said that I think we should, we have to contact the gedolim, like you said, Reb Chaim Kenievsky. If you would have asked Reb Chaim Kenievsky Zatzal, you know, should should we be talking to the students who come for the year? Should we be talking to them about the importance of living in Israel? They said, of course. I mean. Right. Well, there's no, no question. question. So why don't we get why don't we get a letter from some of the greatest gedolim of that world saying all of you should be moving to Israel. All of you should be at least looking into the possibility and 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 be you know learning those sugyas, learning those so topics that that are relevant. Maybe learning is you know learning is maybe important. But I want to tell you another little story that I have from one of these guys I interviewed. He said before he made the move, he was living in Monroe. Very interesting. Actually, I, uh, I'll mention just as a side point that he actually was at one of these Malava Marcus, like you attended the staff, not the Shabbos, the staff. Uh, and mm-hmm. he attended also, he was by one of the previous ones, and he mentioned that one of the things that was, was mentioned in, 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 in the weekly portion in, in the Torah reading is that uh, God actually uh, cursed that generation. He said, uh, you people, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to inherit the land. You're going to die in the in the desert. You're going to die outside of the land. And this is God cursing these people that that you know didn't follow according to the program. And this person that I interviewed, he said he lived in Monroe next to a Jewish cemetery. He said every time he would see a Jewish funeral, he said he would have. It would, it, would, it would just, it would cause him a bit of like a, a heartbreak to see another Jew that this godly curse is actually, you know, is actually uh, being, you know, is actually happening oh, in front of his eyes. Of this person that is dying and he's, and he's being buried outside of the land and he's not, you know, he doesn't manage to get into the land. So this is this guy. So wow. uh, one of the things he said before he moved to Yisrael, he said he consulted with a very hush of a rav in Muncie, a very hush of a very important and prominent rabbi in Muncie. And this rabbi is telling him why the move can't work. He said the school system is different, the culture is different, there's so many challenges. And then he said he countered, he said, I didn't come to take advice whether to make the move. He said, I already decided that. He said, once he told the rabbi that, the rabbi basically jumped off his chair and said, wow, I'm so jealous of you. How can I help you? He said, then he realized the people really do want to help. It's just they can't take the responsibilities. The people people want to throw off themselves. You know, these are the kind of decisions that have to come from within a person. Because if it doesn't come from within a person, from within themselves, then they might they're not emotionally prepared to deal with the challenges that will be. Uh-huh. You know, that's that's it. So I heard there's that, a lot of why, emotional preparation that has to be done. That we should come upright to the land. We should come upright and not horizontal. We should come here not, you know, as as living people and not as many people do after they die to come to be buried. Thank you so much, you old Berman, for coming on the line. We'd love to have you again.
tell us very quickly what is your website or how do people get a hold of you? Aviradeeretisrael.org. A V I R A D. Okay. Aviradeeretisrael.org. Aviradeeretisrael.org. All right, we have to go. Okay. Okay. Thanks we have, a lot. We have to go. Thank you so much and come back and join us next week. Thank you. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page and don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India. And I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.